Evening all. Uh, I know for those who were here last week and, uh, and had a peek ahead of what was coming this week, uh, you've probably all been eagerly awaiting uh, talk about circumcision. Uh, and for those who, who missed that, uh, that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, I was chatting with a guy recently. And he said to me, he said, oh, I'd, I'd really like to be famous. Um, and I thought, I said, I, I would hate that. People following me around all the time and taking photos and hassling me and all of that. And, and he said, I, no, we all, we all want to be famous. You know, we all want people to rate us. We all want people to like us, um, to know who we are, to give us some value. And it started to make a lot more sense to me. And I thought, you know, maybe I don't want to be quote-unquote famous in a kind of celebrity culture kind of fashion. But actually, social status and our outward projection of, of who we are because of, we, uh, of our kind of calculations of how that will be received and all that sort of stuff is, I think, a thing that factors in all, all of our lives, where we get our value from. Um, and so I'll expand on that a bit more, but let's think for a minute about uh, the Jews that Paul was writing to. It's on uh, page 1,129 of your Bibles, Romans 2, Romans 2 uh, verses 17 to 29. Alan spoke about judgment last week, uh, that there will be a day when God will account for all that uh, humanity has done. And Paul's Jewish audience are probably on the edge of their seats, ready to burst with their question. Something like, you know, Paul, surely you don't mean us. We're God's special people, given his law and set apart as the circumcision. But Paul's uh, ready for that one. And so we venture into the murky ground of the law and circumcision. Uh, Guy called, have you heard this expression? Uh, was it possession is nine tenths of the law? And uh, Simon Ponsonby uh, puts it quite nicely that actually, in this case, possession is not nine tenths of the law. Um, and uh, we'll find out why in a minute. Verse 17. Now, you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. A few accusations here to the Jews. Uh, Paul says you're proud of being God's chosen people and you rely on the law as a shield. Presuming to know it and therefore judge with it to lead, guide, instruct. Um, You brag about your relationship to God as if you have some kind of a monopoly on him in your monotheism. All this because you possess uh, in the law an embodiment of knowledge and truth. And here's the critique that Paul gives of that. You then, verse 21, who teach others... Do you not teach yourself? Do you who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, 
do you commit adultery? You who are bought idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Paul says, have you not broken that same law though? Have you not sinned against that God? And even worse, in fact much worse, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And uh, he doesn't, that's not his theory, that's, um, that's uh, taken from Isaiah and Ezekiel who both say that. He says, let's not pretend that you're the perfect Jewish people abiding by the law. In fact, you think your possession of the law makes you somehow special. But it was never meant to be like that. The law was meant to possess you. Possession isn't nine-tenths of the law. God's instruction, uh, his way of life, must possess you. And that's what's gone wrong. His law is not a protection blanket for those who have broken it. And so, on to circumcision. Surely, say the Jews, we're God's special set-apart folk. We are the circumcision. Uh, This next bit from Paul must come as a bit of a blow to the ignorant people who presume that their circumcision gives them some kind of unconditional right uh, with God. Paul says, if you've broken the law, which I've just explained is the case, then your circumcision is void. That's verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you've become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, even though you have the written code and the circumcision are a lawbreaker. He says, if you've broken the law, then your circumcision is worthless. It's lost any worth. Circumcision is a sign of faithfulness to God. Being set apart from him as a commitment to obedience, not as a substitute for obedience. And we can see how uh, deeply mixed up the Jews have gotten all this. And Paul says, therefore, that someone who's kept obedience to God even if they're not physically circumcised, will stand over you in judgment. Now, circumcision itself was part of the Torah, uh, which is to say the instruction of God, the law in the Old Testament. So you can kind of feel the Jews raring to point this out to Paul. Well, how can we have... How can someone follow the, who, who follows the law yet is not physically circumcised? How, how can that be? Because... Physical circumcision is in the law. Uh, But actually, this is Paul's climactic message. Verse 28. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. If circumcision is a symbol of being set apart for God, then that person who is set apart in their heart, in the very orientation of their being, uh, is that true Jew that Paul talks about. Such a person's praise is from God, not men. And that brings us back round to the whole 
social status, fame, all of that sort of uh, stuff. And uh, I wonder if you spotted the pun from Paul in that last bit there. Uh, don't worry if you didn't, because uh, you'd have to speak Hebrew. But um, <laughs> the, word, the word Jew derived from the word Judah. And Judah in Hebrew means praise. So Paul's doing a, doing a clever when he says, such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. And he's redefining the Jewish identity. So Jew derived from Judah, such a man's praise, such a man's, to stretch it, such a man's identity is not from men. Who we are, where we get our value, all of this stuff is not from men. Our praise is from God. That person whose heart has been circumcised, that is. So if your heart is circumcised, you're set apart by the Holy Spirit, then you are that true member of God's people whose praise is from him, your Lord and Saviour. The emphasis in these verses on the uh, image, on, on the projection that we give off to others is, is central uh, in what Paul is saying earlier on. There's a great emphasis on the importance of that as uh, Paul's greatest criticism of the Jews is that God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Those Gentiles to whom the Jews were meant to be a light, they were meant to be a guide, but God's name is blasphemed among those same Gentiles. It's, they've, they've, they've committed awful witness uh, to who God is. And as Christians, we are, we are representat- representatives of our faith and of our God. Uh, and this is reinforced elsewhere when Paul says in Thessalonians that we're ambassadors for Christ, that we act and we speak on his behalf. So let's take seriously as Christians that witness, um, that witness as, as Christ's ambassadors to who he is. Moving on to this stuff about heart circumcision. It's not a new idea that Paul's come up with. There's loads in the Old Testament about the heart and the spirit. And last week, uh, in, earlier in chapter 2, there's talk about the law written on our hearts, uh, which we're not going to talk about tonight. That was last time. And then there's this stuff about a new heart and a new spirit that's in a few chapters' time. Um, but we're not going dis- to discuss that either. Focus on this idea of the circumcision of the heart. And it's pretty inconceivable that Paul hasn't got Deuteronomy 10 uh, in his mind when he's writing this, uh, one of the main texts on heart circumcision in the Old Testament. If you would turn there with me, it's on page 190 of your Bibles. Hopefully it will give us a bit of a better idea of what we're talking about. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, starting at verse 12. Page 190. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good? I don't know if you've heard or read that before, but every Jew uh, will say that prayer daily, uh, traditionally. So we're into big territory here. Uh, Verse 15, 
Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations, as it is today. So you note the language that's used there of uh, forefathers and descendants. And it's very uh, heritage language, so to speak, of forefathers and descendants and language of a line, of a family. That, that language of physical circumcision, of, of those who are set apart that way for God. But read on with me in verse 16. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you know in that, circumcise your hearts therefore, and then the language change from the heritage language into fatherless, widows, aliens. It's well out of the heritage language, and it's into language of outsiders, outside of that line. And then verse 19... And you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. You are to love those aliens as the follow-on from heart circumcision. Therefore, circumcise your hearts. This is who your God is, who loves those outside. Therefore, you, who have your hearts circumcised, love the outsider. And that's the the natural follow-on. You're circumcised into a great tribe, now circumcise your hearts and love those who aren't in that tribe. And verse 21. He is your praise. He is your God. He performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So, thinking back along a Romans 2 line, who are those who are Christ's true people? who have been set apart in their very being, in the orientation of who they are. If we believe in Jesus Christ and, we, and, we, and he is our Lord and we're Christians, then that's us. And what's the follow-on from that? Loving those who are on the outside, into the kingdom. If we wish to be the same lights and guides as the Jews were meant to be, showing those around us Christ, the reality of someone who has had their hearts set apart, who's had their hearts circumcised, is to witness well for God. But more than that, seeing, as in my experience, most of those uh, around me who, who, don't, who aren't Christians, generally, if I'm, if I'm an ambassador, have very, very little idea of who I'm an ambassador for. They have no, no or little idea who Christ really is. And as as those who are, who are the heart circumcision, it's our duty uh, to let them know. That's the, that's the follow-on, says Deuteronomy, and says Paul. Now, if someone had just preached that to me, I'd probably be thinking about the theoretical side of it and sort of getting into it and thinking, that's great. But actually, if my heart's been circumcised, I don't always feel passionate about loving those people who don't know Jesus into a place where they do. 
or really telling them about him who worked on my heart in the first place. In Deuteronomy, it says that those who have had their hearts circumcised fear the Lord their God and serve him, holding fast to him. Why? Because he's your praise. He's your God who has performed for you great and awesome wonders. And he is our praise, in the sense that it is him whom our praise is for. We boast in him. And that's why we serve him, and that's, in a sense, how we serve him. Boasting about what? Well, what more awesome wonder do we know from God than his Son, sent to earth for us, crucified for us, to make us right with him so that our hearts can be circumcised in the first place and then raised to life, gloriously to be King of kings and Lord of lords? What more great wonder do we know than that? And then, so, so, so God is our praise. God is who we boast in. But in Romans, Paul flicks it around as well. He says, and our praise is from God. Uh, God's great approval is given to us whose hearts are circumcised. The Jews thought that outwardly they were set apart and then looked inwardly to be a special chosen tribe. But we know that through what Jesus has done for us, we're set apart inwardly for him in order that we might look outwardly as his people and love those who aren't. So love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart and with all of your soul. His praise is for you. Amen.